Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Giants Talk Podcast. Here's Alex Pavlovich and Cole Kuyper. I know those guys. Hi, everyone. I'm Cole Kuyper, along with Alex Pavlovich. And as always, we're here to talk Giants baseball on Giants Talk. Uh, we pop into your earballs every Monday and Thursday right here on the NBC Sports Podcasting Network. Giants Talk is brought to you by Wendy's. Wendy's doesn't just have breakfast. It has a breakfast worth talking about. Don't let your friends miss out. Don't miss out, Cole. Oh, thanks, man. That's why you're a true friend. Thank you. Just following instructions. Uh, so I, I'm going to give you two options of what you want today's podcast to be about. Would you like to talk Giants-Dodgers and kind of recaps of uh, how various prospects have done this spring, or do you just want to talk about the four-hour Justice League Snyder Cut? Oh, I actually was going to ask you about the Snyder Cut. I thought you were going to say, do you want to start with UCSB losing the <laughs> heartbreaker? Um, people, we don't promote this as much as we should, but this podcast is also on YouTube. If people want to watch a visual version and see Cole's outfit every week, which is always a winner. And you're wearing a UCSB sweater. Um, I'm wearing a black hoodie because I'm in mourning. So it, it was just quickly, that was a rough one. That was a heartbreaker. That was a, a heartbreaker. And I know you and I were so excited last week. Uh, and I, I know I'm actually surprised, and I guess I shouldn't be because it's California kids. So they're Giants fans and, and maybe went down the coast for school. But every time I tweet about the Gauchos, how many like regulars that ask me Giants questions, I hear from who go, oh, I went there like, you know, 15 years ago. I went there 10 years ago or, or whatever. So shout out to all those people um, that hurt. That kid should have gone up a little bit harder at the end couple rough yeah. at the end i also i tweeted this a 12 30 game for kids who live in iowa vista like it's not i fair. didn't even think about going to class if it didn't start before <laughs> if it started before one so that was a little rough but uh they had a great season and i think almost everybody should be back next year so yeah a year from now we're you know not mourning it was a fun day i mean win or lose i was on group text threads with people I haven't talked to in 10 years. It was a lot of fun, you know, just watching the game, live tweeting it, following along with everyone. So next year, there's always next year. It was. We'll, uh, uh, we'll get to them next year, hopefully. All right. So, so you want to talk Giants-Dodgers or you want to talk Justice League? Yeah, I have my Snyder Cut question at the end. So okay. we'll go to that. Perfect. Giants-Dodgers uh, just happened so we can talk about baseball. Giants-Dodgers just happened, and I mean, I personally think this should count as a regular season game. 10-4 to four against... 1-0. Started off strong. They lead the um, MLS. That's right. And, you know, when, when you start out a game against the Dodgers with a first-inning Corey Seager home run, you don't usually have high hopes. Um, but, hey, the boys turned it around today, and it looked awesome. Yeah, Evan Longoria with his fourth home run in like 17 or 18 at-bats. Um, he's been red hot. So, as you know, we'll see. 
he has plantar fasciitis, which is not going to go away. Um, we'll, we'll see how that affects him in the field and, and what that means for him over the course of the season because he's 35. Um, but he's swinging a hot bat. Yastrzemski's starting to get going, hit a home run. Um, the bullpen was lights out today. And, and some guys who are fighting for jobs like Bracho, uh, Tropiano. So, uh, you know, some of these guys are going to make the team because they're going to try to keep inventory. We've talked about that a little bit. They're, they're going to keep inventory over maybe familiar names. They just want to – keep these pitchers in the system. So to see guys go out there today and um, Tropiano had five strikeouts, Zach Little had, had three guys who might be on the team are, are pitching pretty well. And then did Chadwick Trump give himself the greatest birthday present <laughs> one could ever imagine? I think uh, Chadwick Trump, who is the zoom room King of 2020, every single time <laughs> we, we heard he was coming in, we were excited because he, he's so excited to do it. Uh, but he hit a grand slam on his birthday against the Dodgers. And it was a no doubt grand slam, like pretty high up on the berm. He got to pimp it a little bit. So good for Chadwick. I, I think he, he enjoyed that. Yeah. And, and where after this game coming into the end of spring training, do you think the chips are falling for some of these guys? Um, Trump, what about Casimir? Where's Casimir fit into all this? Yeah, Kazmir got to start today against the team he pitched for five years ago. I, you know, he wasn't bad. I, I think the Seager home run was a pitch he probably wanted back, but yeah, faced like their dudes. Like it, it was Betts, Bellinger, Muncie, um, Seager. He he faced basically the heart of their regular lineup except for Justin Turner. So not bad. I, I think it is a performance. You know, it, at this point, he's he's a back end guy. If he's a starter, maybe a bullpen guy for him, maybe a long reliever, but. I think he's had an okay spring and, and has been, you know, given where he's coming from and the fact that he was pitching in a Roger Clemens independent ball league last year during the summer, like he's doing pretty well. And I, I do think he's pitching well enough that I don't want to call it an experiment, but like his little comeback here after five years, like I, I think it's eventually going to get him back in the big leagues, whether it's opening day, I don't know, but I think it's going to get him a shot at some point. And we've only got, what, I'm counting up here, six games to go in spring training before we see actual baseball that counts. We're going White Sox, Padres, Brewers, Cubs, Mariners, and then our classic A's series, um, which is in Arizona this time around. So we're on the cusp of meaningful ball games. We're getting there. And I think if anybody watched the game, you saw Austin Slater say, like, this is the week when guys start playing nine innings and, and back to back. So um this show today we're going to talk a lot about the prospects those guys are are on the way out because the big names are, are starting to play you know six seven eight nine innings over the next week so let's take that opportunity to go through some uh some news in the giants world uh kapler made an announcement he wants to talk opening day starting pitcher soon um I don't it's, know if we he thought wants this was... to talk about the starting pitcher. <laughs> I think true. We, he, he has to. asked so often about <laughs> it that at some point he will. Um, but yeah, he got asked again today because we got the pitching probables. But it, I just wanted to include this in here because I, I find it so interesting that there's a, a conversation in some parts of Giants Twitter that's Kevin Gaussman versus uh, Johnny Cueto. And I, I would be stunned if Kevin's not starting on April 1st. Like, I absolutely stunned I, I don't see any reason why he's not their opening day starter I think he's been lined up that way um Cueto was ahead of him in the spring rotation but a lot of times that happens during the spring and then guys get you know in line for the regular season so I, I don't think there's any doubt about who their opening day starter is so what what is the the payoff here if it is not 
Gossman. What does Alex Pavlovich have to do? You got to wear a Dodgers hat on the next pod. You got to jump in the cove. I don't even own any Dodgers. I, can't <laughs> far on for, I don't know what he ever did with his old stuff. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. We'll, we'll take that to the web. Something we'll food related, I think. That's, you know, we, we aim towards food on this podcast. Let's do that. It's a little too cold still in the city for me to be thinking about the cove. All right. Maybe we'll make you eat a Dodgers dog. Eh, something like between, between a normal bet and that. All right. All right. We'll, we'll take to the web, see what anyone, uh, anyone has to say. Other Giants news, Nunez, as we suspected and talked about in an earlier pod, is going to have Tommy John. Um, this is a guy who, who, I mean, obviously is going to put a stop to his chances this season. But what do you think? Is this the last we've seen? I, you know, I, I don't know because this happened to Julian Fernandez a few years ago. He was a Rule 5 pick as well. And, and not, I don't think he's promising a pitcher. And, and the Giants um, lost him on waivers after the season because it, it is, you know, you're not just thinking about this year. You're thinking at the end of the season, they have to come off the 60 day IL. So, you, you know, we always see that thing at the end where they're, they need spots during the offseason, especially a Farhan Zaidi team. And, and Farhan was not the one who lost um, Fernandez, I don't think. But, uh, they lost him to the Marlins, and and then uh, maybe he was. I might have, anyway. But they lost him, and and he went to the Marlins. So it, it it is hard when a guy has Tommy John surgery to keep him the whole year, keep him through the next off season, get him through. You know, he hasn't had the surgery yet, so get him through the next spring training on, and and then get him on your roster because you still have Rule Five draft rules that you have to abide by, and, and get him on your roster to keep his rights. So. It might be the last that we've seen of him. It, it sucks. I, I mean, he was promising. He, he was going to make the opening day roster. Was throwing ninety eight, showing good command, a really good slider. Um, it's a bummer. The flip side of it, if you know, it, it's never a good time for any prospect to have this happen. I will say, if you're a prospect and you're going to have this happen, might as well have it when you're a Rule Five pick because mm-hmm. instead of going back to your original team and maybe being in the minors, you're going to get a full year of service time. Uh, Fernandez was on the big league roster with two different organizations for two full seasons and hasn't pitched since 2017, but he made about a million bucks. So um, he did okay. And I remember at the time he didn't really want to have Tommy John and some of those veterans were like, Hey, this is not the worst thing in the world. So, uh, but it's a bummer because Nunez was going to make the team and, and I was excited to see what he looked like during the season. Yeah, no, uh, a huge bummer. Um, obviously I, I feel like the word bummer, kind of devalues how upsetting this is for a young player, yeah. but you know, it, it, it is what it is. We, as sports fans, this kind of is something that just happens to us. And sometimes when I put my mind in the, in the body of these athletes who it's actually happening to, it's just devastating. Yeah. You know, a young kid who's about to be on an opening day roster and now it's going to miss a whole year. Exactly. Um, in, in more positive news though, San Francisco's looking orange in more way than one. Yeah, it's as orange as your little beanie there. I That's think, right. Uh, um, it's, you know, it looks like this week, maybe the 24th, they'll move into the orange tier, which I know you were hoping would happen before opening day, not just for um, obvious reasons, but also because that's, you know, Giants in the orange tier. Um, that's right. Start orange the year Friday. Makes so that'll allow them to get up to, I, I think, about 13,000 fans. I don't know if they're going to get there at the beginning of the year. I think there's some complications with. Mm-hmm. with spreading fans out in their ballpark. But I will say, and the reason I put this on our rundown here is because this was like the first weekend, and I, I live in the city, this was the first weekend in the city where it was like like crowded 
like back to normal a little bit, not fully back to normal because everybody's wearing masks, obviously, but like the city is ready for summer and ready for this to be um, over a little bit. And it got me excited for Giants games because I feel like people are going to be very, very ready to go to the ballpark and the weather in the Bay Area this weekend, obviously, has been gorgeous. So um, I, it's a good time to get into the orange tiers as we get closer to the home opener here. Yeah, I I am going to be definitely going to one of those opening weekend games. I cannot wait. I'm going to get my hot dog. I might even catch a second game from the Cove. Like, why not? Baseball's back, and baseball I can actually watch is back. And I there was a small little cynical part of me that didn't know if this was ever going to happen. Yeah. I think it's it's happened pretty quickly here too. So um, that's good. It's positive news. It's positive news. Um, <laughs> one one other thing we kind of wanted to touch on this week is you know spring training's pretty difficult to follow for the average fan. Um, most of these games aren't televised. It's difficult to find them on the radio. There's no game cast on the internet. So a lot of you might not be as up to date on how some of the various prospects have done this spring, not just prospects that some of the different players have done this spring. So we kind of wanted to run down um, and talk a little bit about a batch of guys who we felt are notable. Uh, first on my list, Luciano. Alex, what do the people need to know about what kind of spring our guy had? Yeah, first on everybody's list, right? And, and I'll, I'll just say also, I think, I think it was important that before we get to the regular season where we're, you know, evaluating series that we talked about some of these kids because this is the best group of prospects the Giants have had in camp since I've been doing this, and that's 10 years. I, this would be a great question for somebody like Henry Shulman. Like, is this the best group they've ever had in camp? Because usually you don't see this many youngsters like Patrick Bailey and um, Hunter Bishop, guys who are pretty fresh out of the draft in camp. And, and Luciano obviously is is at the top of that list. He's the number one prospect. I think he's going to be a top five prospect in the game at this time of year from now, possibly higher. I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he's the number one prospect in baseball a year from now. He just, you know, is the type who can – the power he has, I mean, he, he can put up a huge minor league season. Now that did not show um, in camp. He was uh, – He's still ongoing. He played on Sunday, but through Sunday, he's played in 16 games, three for 21, 13 strikeouts, one walk. Um, so it has been overwhelmed a little bit at the plate, but, you know, we're going to insert a Gabe Kapoor quote here. It's important to remember Marco Luciano is not just 19 years old, but 19 years old and did not get to play minor league baseball last year. He is, um, he is a teenager and, and, you know, I think oftentimes we get up, we got caught, we get caught up in calendar age and we don't spend the time kind of evaluating who a young man is and um, where they are in their physical maturity. And, and Luciano has a long way to go. 19 is, is the calendar age, but he also is a teenager in his physical development also is a teenager in um, his experience. And he's represented himself very well in particular with his work ethic and, and similar to, to Elliot with his physical tools, both at shortstop and at the plate, there's a lot of, there's a lot of development left there. And um, although he represented himself very well, his coaches love him for, for how hard he works. He's, he has spent countless hours in early work sessions with our infield coaches um, and, and our hitting coaches. He, he has a lot of work to do and, and we're excited to see him get those reps. He's a kid. 
He's a kid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's huge, but he is, <laughs> he is a teenager. I mean, remember, you know, where were any of us at 19? I don't want to even admit it. So I, <laughs> it's, uh, he, he's really young and people just have to remember how inexperienced he is. He's barely even played in the minor leagues. So, you know, he goes in and starts seeing a hundred mile per hour fastballs from people like Dustin May and, and breaking balls that he's never seen. Um, it, it, it was a needed experience for him, I think, and he's going to be better for this. And now we can go to probably A ball, um, probably low A to start the year and, and focus on that and, and focus on working his way up. This is just a quick question for you as a scholar of the game, but who's the youngest Major League Baseball player you remember seeing off the top of your head? Like I know Bum was pulled up very young. Um, sorry to ambush you with this one. That was a good question. I think, I mean, in my time, I don't know about the Giants because it seems like every prospect they've called up since I've covered them is 26 years old. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Um, you know, I remember when I was in growing up, remember A-Rod came up. I think he was 18 when he got Oh, up. yeah. So that's the one. Like, that's the guy that I remember. It's always fun when, you know, you, you have guys like Tatis and Soto where it's like they're not of legal drinking age. <laughs> yeah. They're uh, hitting third. They got to go uh... – not do the champagne shower after the team clinches. <laughs> I, I think they do it, but yeah. Uh, speaking of young, huge dudes, Sean Jelly, the giant who really, I think, embodies the team. He could be the mascot for the team just because he's an actual giant. Uh, one of the nicest guys I've ever had the pleasure of chatting with. What did his spring look like? Yeah, I know you guys had him on a, your Triples Alley show last yeah. year. He is going to be so good for the media assuming he's a rotation stalwart for going forward he, he's just um a really nice kid and good sense of humor uh great interview fortunately only appeared one time in, in scottsdale so far so one appearance uh was pretty uneventful hit 95 miles per hour which is good but um just did not get to pitch a whole lot but you know for him again a, a guy that needs to get out there whether probably double a to start the year and mm -hmm. just pitch and just make up for lost innings. And I think there's a chance we see him later this year. I hope there is. It'd be fun if, if the season, you know, doesn't turn into a surprise run to see guys like him and Beck and, and some of these younger starters get a look. But for now, I think the important thing was being in camp and, and getting his feet wet again, because he wasn't there last year and um, preparing for a, a very important minor week season. There we go. Um, would I, the idea of him see, seeing him uh, at Oracle park this year, that would be awesome. I, that's a game. That is must-see. I'll be there. Um, Joey Bart, obviously not on the opening day roster, we don't think. Uh, did, was this spring training a setback or a step forward in the career in the world of Mr. Joey Bart? It's interesting because Joey's, you know, up until Luciano leapfrogged him, I mean, he's the best prospect they've had in a long time. So he, yeah. he's the guy, and he's the guy that last year we were talking about nonstop, obviously – Played about half the season last year. Didn't go as he had hoped. Um, he's had a pretty good spring. Is eight for twenty at the plate. Has a home run. Plate discipline looks a little improved. Looks like he has a little bit better idea at the plate. But he came in with no shot of making the opening day roster because they signed Kurt Casale. So mm -hmm. um, that's the way it's going to go. I don't even think Joey, you know, is going to be that third guy if if somebody needs a break early on because I think you want him playing every day. So Chadwick Trump's probably like your taxi squad catcher and your alternate site catcher. Um, but it, Joey's had a fine spring. I mean, the one hiccup that stood out to me was just he still isn't on the same page as Cueto. And it was interesting that 
they had issues during that start. Um, and then afterwards, both Cueto and, and Cap were, were like very open about, yeah, the, the communication there still isn't where it needs to be. But, you know, he's probably never going to be in a position where he needs to catch him. So I don't know that that's even an issue um, for whatever. It's such a strange thing. Like he, he had issues with him last year, too. And Johnny's really difficult to catch. But, um, yeah, other than that, I, I think, he, you know, the word out of camp is he has done a nice job in bullpen sessions, done a nice job. Um, just helping pitchers along. So, again, another guy, you know, headed to the minors, going to AAA, going to play every day there, and, and hope to hit his way up to the big leagues this year. I know a lot of people are hoping to see him up uh, on the big league roster. Uh, our mutual friend, Anthony Garcia, is a big hat guy. He loves the panda hats. He loves the milkman hats. And he's dying to get Bart train hats out there. <laughs> Keep yeah, talking it, about it. That's a guy who, uh, you know, and – Look, it was really rough for him to debut in empty stadiums with cardboard cutouts and not get that adrenaline burst and, and not yeah. get a really, really competitive player. Um, go, that's, anybody will tell you who has known him for a long time that that's just part, I mean, just super fiery and competitive. And, and so it must have been weird for him to debut last year the way he did. So hopefully he's up later this year and, and hopefully it's it's close to a full house and um, he gets to uh, gets to have a better experience and, and start to establish himself as the guy. All right. Up next on my list, Kervin Castro. Um, wasn't a guy I knew a lot about before this spring training. Um, so I'm going to defer to you here. What do the fans need to know? Yeah, I think I forced us to talk about him like four times already in <laughs> you have. Of this podcast, just because I, I think he's going to, I think he's going to be up this year. Um, another guy with very little experience, but just has been impressive the entire time has been shouted out by Gabe Kapler going back to the off season and uh, his spring, you know, gave up, I, I think four runs uh, struck out six and four and two thirds. So it, it was nothing blows you away, but the pace is incredible. If you saw him on, I think last Thursday, he came into that game and, and uh, Kruk and Kipe were talking about it. They're like, this guy's good for the broadcast. I, I went back actually <laughs> and timed it he threw his first three pitches in 21 seconds so it's gonna be fun to have him at the big league level whenever he's there and I think we're gonna see him this year him and him and Doval I mean those are two huge right-handed arms that they're getting ready to help him at some point soon um Hunter Bishop uh the the part-time DJ (laughs) part-time baseball player uh another super nice guy California kid we had him on our show as well. Um, what do you think about Bishop Spring? Yeah, I was supposed to have Hunter on the Giants Insider podcast last year, and we actually talked, and then he um, got COVID. So he missed all of camp, and it was just mm-hmm. a, a rough situation. But it, it was good that it was out there, good that he got to work with with uh, the big league staff. Didn't get to play that much. Um, he had a, an ankle, ankle soreness, a little ankle injury pop-up. Late in camp, only got 10 plate appearances. That'll probably be it for him and, and just a double. But I, I think, you know, when you watch him play, I mean, you, you see how hard he swings. You see how hard he runs, how hard he plays. It, it's a really intriguing package of skills. And just needs, again, just needs to go and improve it. Um, it's probably going to be an A ball to start the year, maybe high A. And, you know, for him, it, it'd be great if he could do what, what Barton Ramos did in their last full season and, and do the A ball, double A combo and, and get a lot of experience at Richmond this year and put himself in position where maybe this time a year from now we're, we're talking about Bishop the way we're talking about Ramos now. It was pretty cool seeing him the other day uh, 
playing in the same game as his brother too. Um, I, I always love these brother duos who are both in the big leagues together, similar ages. Uh, Tyler Rogers was another one with his brother that we've had. Um, but great couple of dudes. They have a nonprofit they run in honor of their mother called Four Mom. Um, their mom passed away of Alzheimer's or complications of Alzheimer's. Um, and, you know, just a couple of really nice dudes playing a game they love. So I'm, I'm definitely in Hunter Bush's corner. Yeah, and I'm in his brother's corner too because I, I covered him when he was playing high school football. It's no way a, a long time ago, and and like yeah, Braden does incredible things for for a lot of charitable causes. So um, I I don't think he's on that team yet. I don't I don't know what his position is exactly in, in terms of making the opening day roster, but hopefully he gets a shot in Seattle. Yeah, that would that would be a, in another world. That's a really cool opening day for Giants fans to see them pair off against each other. Um, Patrick Bailey, I think we have some Kapler audio here, but if you want to talk a little bit about Bailey's spring first, I am on board to hear it. Yeah, I mean, Bailey, you know, he still hasn't played a professional game that counts, so, but he's been in um, two camps with the Giants, been at the alternate site, and he, you know, 12 plate appearances right now, one for eight, three walks, four strikeouts. Again, a guy who has not played a game that counts above college, so he, he's going to have it handed to him a little bit in this situation, but defensively has really impressed the Giants and just, um, I guess I'll just say with his brain has really impressed the Giants. <laughs> we'll lead into the, here it's Gabe Kapoor talking about what Patrick has done this spring. I think his intelligence level um, and his ability to slow the game down is, is interesting and, and in some cases rare for a player of his experience level and, and age. Um, it just doesn't move fast form. You can give him feedback in game. He's able to apply it. Um, that's true in live EP settings. It's it's true in game settings and it's true in bullpen settings. So he can take instruction um, and he can take feedback really well in real time, which I think is a real uh, a good quality for uh, a young catcher. Um, continue to see him work on his approach, getting the ball in the air to the full side, um, particularly from the left-handed batter's box. And yeah, he's making good strong throws. I wouldn't say anything glaring stands out from um, last year to this, but, but he's been impressive so far. So just, you know, somebody who uh, they feel really good about after drafting him last year. And um, it's so interesting that he's now been in two camps with big leaguers and the big league staff and hasn't played a game that counts. But uh, really curious to see what he does offensively when he, when he gets out there. And, you know, we'll see if he can start that path. Again, it's – as a catcher, we saw it with Bart. He, he did A ball, he did um, double A, and then the year after that was set to get him the big league. So Bailey can do the same thing this year, get to double A hopefully, and, and maybe he's in position at some point next year, late in the year, to, to make it interesting. What do you think that's like for Bailey and Bart um, just to be in Arizona together? Is that a rivalry or more of like a bromance? Um, when you're young dudes squaring off for the same position on a franchise that you know you're not going to get now, but down the line, I got to imagine things get a little interesting. Yeah. It, you know, they've, they've said all the right things in interviews that we've done with them. I, I haven't been unfortunately around the clubhouse for mm-hmm. over a year now. So it's hard to get a, a true feel sometimes and truly, you know, talk to people off the record or, or watch <laughs> things. But um, I think the giants view this as something they can very easily share a couple years mm-hmm. down the line. So hopefully they view it that way too. Awesome. Um, and then the last guy, probably the one everyone wants to hear about most, 
was, is Elliot Ramos. Um, he was confirmed not to be on the opening day roster over the past few days. I know I was the one really putting all my eggs in the he's guaranteed to be starting <laughs> on opening day basket. Um, but yeah, dudes had a monumental spring. Yeah, he really has 11 for 29, three homers, a double. When I looked at his stats today, you get a reminder, he's had 30 plate appearances, one walk. So um, eight strikeouts. So it's uh, that's a statistical reminder that there's a little bit of work to do because that's not a ratio you ever want to see. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's only going to get tougher during a regular season. So, But he has had a really good camp and has – you know, impressed with his work ethic and, uh, you know, just the power. I mean, we, we've seen it. We, we saw that home run against Milwaukee. We've seen a couple other ones. He hit a ball the other night, just a single the other way in the televised game, just scorched one the other way on a, on a breaking ball. Um, really impressive. Has had a good camp. But as you'll hear here, another uh, little snippet from Kapler, they know he has some work to do, so some development to do. I think there's some – upper level experience that will be really valuable for Elliot um, and, and not just the plate appearances. Cause usually that's where we start. Like, Oh, you want to see 250, 300 plate appearances at, at, you know, double A AA and triple A or maybe more. And we want to see a certain level of production with Elliot. I think it's all around game that uh, requires just a bit of fine tuning. Um, there's no denying his talent and his, his physical tools. And he's, um, a, a lot of those physical tools have been on display in this camp. Um, but there are some, some minor tweaks that we want to see happen uh, before he, he reaches the major league level for us, because when he gets there, we'd like to see him hit the ground running and, and, and stay in the big leagues for us for a really long time. Um, that's just going to require a little bit more upper level experience. So there's Gabe just, you know, talking about Elliot and, um, again, somebody who was a standout in spring training, but I think we're, you know, looking at late in the summer is, is the best case probably for him, unless he just goes nuts in the minors because they feel like he has some work to do. I, I, that's a dude who every time he's at bat, it's electric. And the, I hadn't really realized how, you know, I want to say bad that strikeout to walk ratio was until you just brought it up, but that is a red flag. I, I admit that, but gosh, I'm yeah. still so in on him. Yeah, and I don't think he's ever going to be a, a high strikeout to walk ratio guy. I think he's he's a swinger, but um, yeah, it's that gives you a reminder of like there's some things he has to work on, and I, I think it runs in the family too with you guys because I have listened to the broadcast every single one, and I actually wanted to ask your dad about this because he will see somebody step into the box and he gets so excited and goes, "Is that Elliot Ramos?" <laughs> and it's just like. <laughs> And it usually is, but uh, he gets very excited late in games when he, he sees somebody step into the box that looks like Ramos. Good. Yeah, no, we'll have to run this by him. Um, I think we're going to have him in on either next episode or in a few. And I know he is super high on Ramos, too. You know, yeah. it's a Kuiper thing. You ask any of us. <laughs> it runs in the family. Yeah. Are there any other uh, non-prospects that have had an interesting spring that warrant a shout-out? I know we we touched on Longo a little earlier, who's battling a – foot issue but still really hammering the ball um who else yeah i will get one more prospect in there um we'll oh yeah yeah the stats don't really jump out but I, you know just a, a good all-around player and somebody who has impressed them and I, I think 
you know, he, he's very polished and I, I think he'll move quickly. Ironically, at the position of the guy that when you say who stands out, Donovan Solano is like hitting 500 this spring after hitting <laughs> 330 in his first year, hitting 330 in his second year, which is just, you know, it's a guy who just hits. He just hits. As Marty Worry would say, he hits. So it's like that has stood out to me just as a really um, impressive thing that given the pressure on him with Wastella being here now and everything they have at second base, that he just keeps doing what he's done the last two years. Yeah, I – Donnie Barrels, I mean, he last year was so much fun to watch. Uh, this spring, that that's almost insane to hear. Um, I focused so much on some of these younger guys that I didn't really expect to see up on the big leagues that I kind of even have been taking him for granted over the past month or so. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a solid roundout of our prospects, free trainings, and what we're gonna, when we're going to kind of expect to see them. Is there anything else you want to touch on before we let our kind Giants fans go? I, I know we had talked a little bit off the air about that NBC video game athlete Twitter bracket. Yeah, I think you retweeted this, and it was a bracket of which athlete was the most dominant, um, or who would... Which, which, like, which video game athlete? Yeah, and I uh, just... I saw a lot of talk about baseball people and I just wanted to give my two cents that for me, it's Michael Vick because in baseball video games, you don't, you know, unless it's a pitcher, I mean, you could, but for the most part, we're talking about guys who are not up that often, even if they're crazy compared to the rest of the game, Michael Vick, Yeah, even like, in you're playing your buddy in college and it's like, well, you can't play with Michael Vick because it's unfair. So that was the one that stood out to me. I know there's a lot of baseball players in that bracket of best video game sports athlete to play with or fictional sports athlete to play with but michael michael vick i guess it's not fictional michael vick was real but uh so some of the other notable ones on here are ken griffey jr from the ken griffey jr baseball games there was a cheat code to have griffey hit a home run if you even make contact so he's he's up there but like you said he's only up one one out of nine at bat vick beats him uh john dowd was the barry bond surrogate because one, they couldn't yeah. get their rights yeah, I have a John Dowd jersey in my closet somewhere. Um, but Bonds wasn't in the video game, so the Giants had this uh, left fielder named John Dowd who absolutely raked. Um, but none of these guys. Pablo Sanchez in backyard baseball is the secret rep, and he's incredible. But Mike Vick, you're right. Like, there, were, there were arguments going into those Madden 04 games over whether you could play as the Falcons. Um, yeah. I would say Mike Vick is beyond the best. Uh, video game athlete. Mike Vick might be one of the best video game weapons of all time. He's up with there, up there with the golden gun from Bond. Yeah, and it was just like so frustrating because there's nothing you can do. So yeah. That yeah, was why I, I saw you tweet that and I'm like, that stands out to me. I know this is a baseball podcast, but Mike Vick is the answer. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about is, and this is going to expose me a little bit. Okay. This is not what did you think of the Snyder Cut. This is me being somebody who lives in a baseball world full time and mm -hmm. saw a lot of tweets about it and I don't understand what it is. So that's my question to you. What is probably the, the some other people cut? who are in the same boat as me who don't want to ask that question. What is it? It's the same movie, except it's a different movie. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, I mean, there, there's a whole sad story and reason behind this. I'm going to make this as playful as I can. Um, but the first cut of Justice League was so bad that eight, five years later, HBO dumped like $50 million into it to redo it. They 
they reshot scenes, they redid all the special effects. I think they recast a couple of roles. Um, and then they made it four hours long, which is also a ludicrous thing to do. And with all that going against it, it was actually decent. It was pretty okay. It's four hours long now? It, dude, it's four hours long. It's okay. literally, so like the Marvel movies have their show coming out right now, the, the Falcon and the Winter Shoulder, and all of those episodes added up are as long as the Snyder Cut. Okay, now I know what it is. Now that I know how long it is, I think I'm probably <laughs> not going to watch it. Um, if this yeah. podcast is ever terrible, you can just, you know, throw some money at somebody and redo <laughs> yeah. our Sunday episode. Redo it. Here's, here's the defense of the four hour cut. If there's so much slow motion in it that I think if the whole thing ran at normal speed, it'd be a tight 90. Maybe I'll just watch it at one and a half, one and a half. <laughs> yeah. time. You can do that. I know you can do that with the podcast, but, um, okay. That was my question for the week. We will be back. Yeah. On Thursday, hopefully with Dwayne Kuyper, we'll talk a little bit more. I would encourage people to subscribe because we have a couple of big time interviews coming next week that I'm very excited about. That's right, so we subscribe, do. Subscribe, download, everybody. Thank you for listening. And uh, thanks for all the support. Oh, shout out to the guy in Scotland who listens to us. I've been meaning to shout that guy out. That's right. Yeah. And if you, if you live somewhere outside of Northern California or even Southern California, somewhere somewhere unique. Let us know. We'll give you a shout exactly. out. Exactly. Let us know. We'll see you guys Thursday. Some people just know there's a better way to do things like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.